Hello, welcome to episode nine of Zion's Finest. This is Kenny Brown, and I'm joined by my brother, Samuel Sweeten. We are going to have an awesome episode today. This is, uh, well, before we get into it, first off, we should say that Sam is driving across the country. He's leaving our beloved Vale in Utah and heading to State College, Pennsylvania, so that he can endure the misery of three years of law school, which I know is miserable because I endured three three miserable years of law school. Just kidding. Law school is a ton of fun. Um, so this is actually, today is Monday, August 7th. And I wanted to pull Sam on before he drove across the country and got super busy with law school because his schedule is going to get a lot trickier once he leaves. So the reason why I have Sam here is because this episode is going to be absolutely his forte. The title of the episode, which we've already come up with, is Bringing a Gun to a Knife Fight. And what we're going to do is we're going to talk about why it is that melee figures are stronger than range figures, at least in the current format for Shatterpoint. So before we get into that, first off, again, we want to encourage everyone to join the Slack. We'd also encourage everyone to rate and review the podcast. Oh, also, if you haven't yet joined the Slack, it'd be really awesome for you to do so. We have got a promo card that we are going to be sending out to everyone who is a member of the Slack. It's a dual-sided Obi-Wan and Count Dooku card. Um, It's a unit card, and it's going to be really slick. I'm going to contact some artists and see if we can use their art on these promo cards and they're going to be awesome. And all you need to get one is to be a member of the Slack and be awesome, which you all are. Um, so join the Slack, rate and review the podcast. Also, we'd encourage everyone, if you're listening on Spotify, please answer the poll that we've got. For news, we've got a little bit. So first off, we know that Mace and Talzin are going to be getting released in a few weeks, which is going to be awesome. I think the Republic desperately needs what Mace is bringing to the table, at the very least, to give more options. And Talzin seems just like a really interesting piece with the Night Sisters. Um, so that looks like it's going to be really fun. For OP events, Gen Con is going on right now, or actually, I guess Gen Con is probably over. Um, now is over. And there was a Shatterpoint event, and there might have been Shatterpoint events. I don't know the details on those. I asked on the Slack to see if anyone was aware of the results, but we will update as we get that. But it seemed like it had an awesome turnout, so that makes me happy. For those of you in Utah, we have a bunch of events coming up. And sorry for those of you who are not in Utah to be getting the blast on this, but I feel like it's probably the best opportunity to announce for those who aren't um, active on the Slack. On August 19th, Gamers Asylum in Ogden, Utah is hosting an initiation event, and it looks like it's going to be a good, fun tournament. They're going to have promo cards to give out. Demolition Games, I don't have the date, but I know they are looking to be hosting a tournament soon. I'm going to have to follow up with Josh Waite. He's on the Slack. Um, He will let us know more details on that. Game Grid Lehigh is hosting a league on Tuesdays, and it's going to go on August 22nd, 29th, and, and September 5th. And this is going to be like, they are really going all out on this in terms of planning, um, planning um, cool things that are going on. It's kind of meant to be an initiation thing, getting people started in the game, Uh, but they're giving out promos. It's going to be a really cool, very beginner friendly event. So I'd encourage everyone, if you're in the Southern, well, if you're in Utah County, obviously you should absolutely go. But if you've got time, it's Tuesday night, which I know is not the easiest for people, but it looks like it's going to be a really friendly format. Finally, on October 14th, we are going to be having a, it's not Zyfy Con, that's not what it is, but we're going to have a Zyfy tournament. We're going to design um, a promo and some tokens that we are going to be releasing a swag um, for this 
it's it's going to be a, a tournament like a swiss tournament we're probably going to host it at demolition games more details will be forthcoming here in the future uh, but october 14th if you're in utah even if you're not in utah in fact especially if you're not in utah you should plan on coming to this it's going to be a really fun event if you're coming from out of town i am sure we can find places for you to um, sleep and we will give you food and transportation. It's going to be a really fun event. We love doing stuff like this. Sam, are you taking your Shatterpoint stuff out to law school? hundred percent. Yeah. So um, I'm going to be if, with my very limited free time. I'm going to be trying to see if there's a scene there in state college. If there is up on the Slack, let me know. I'm going to be there. I will try and play um, when time permits. I'm still going to be involved on the pod and on the Slack and you know, as much as I can. So I cannot imagine in a college town, there's not a good scene for things like Shatterpoint. You know, there's got, it's got to have a good miniatures game scene. So yeah, I haven't really looked into it. I've been, you know, looking into more moving stuff yeah. than <laughs> moving know. stuff in law school, man. Talk about, talk about wasted priorities. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, hopefully there's a great scene out there. And if not, I'll get one going. Maybe we can get some Zyfy tournaments going out in pennsylvania that so. sounds awesome i mean it's the east coast there's like a billion people out there there's there's you're, you're gonna find something um yeah. okay so what we're gonna do with this episode here's kind of the setup for us so if you listen to our last episode it was it wasn't quite a wake-up call it was kind of a come to jesus moment where it was it was made very clear to me how much stronger Melee figures and specifically the separatist melee figures, not really just separatists, but melee figures in general were than what the Galactic Republic was bringing to the table with its clones. I also think it's kind of bearing out, though, in terms of the, the Mandos are not ranged units, um, you know, like the, the soups are meant to be close and personal. The Clan Krees is meant to be ranged units. But there is also even kind of a power discrepancy between those two. It seems like kind of the consensus is that if you're going to bring one of the set, one of the supporting sets of Mandos, you're going to bring the soups. Um, and Bo is obviously going to be the secondary that you bring with them, if that's kind of the package that you're bringing. And it just seems kind of like everywhere we're having these breakpoints, it seems like melee figures are thriving. And for a little bit more setup before Sam um, leads us into our unit highlight, I was listening to the Rogue Support episode. I think they released it today. And they were talking about, um, they were kind of doing just like some general meta strategy discussions. And they were talking about how it seems to be the meta of Vader right now. And I mean, these guys are very involved in the TTS stuff and just like the scene generally. They played they play a lot of games. They know what's going on. And it seems to be the consensus that Vader is doing very well and is just everywhere. That you're having lots of Vader mirror matches and that he's, that he's thriving. And I think one of the reasons why Vader is thriving is not just that he has a good card. This is something that Sam and I talked about when we talked about Anakin and Vader. But that what Vader brings is support for an archetype that is already strong, which is melee. Yeah. So what Vader does is for damage that you can take onto your figures, you can add three dice um, to your attacks with your melee attacks. And if you've got melee units that are already strong and already hitting pretty hard, then making their attacks even more consistent is kind of how you start to generate, you know, uh, some serious uh, disparity between melee figures and range figures. Range figures, simply put, just don't have anything like that. There are very few ranged units that can pop for the kind of damage that um, Grievous is going to land, or even that Magna Guards are going to land. 
And so it seems just like everywhere we look that these melee figures are not, they're not, you know, punching above their weight, but they're just hitting very strong and doing very well. And Vader is obviously, that Vader is thriving is kind of emblematic of that. So with that being the case, what, what I want to do is Sam is going to talk about what we think is probably one of the best melee units in the game, and that's Magna Guards. And then we're going to talk about why it is that melee units seem to be doing so much better than ranged units. So first off, Sam, give us the give us the strengths and the weaknesses of the Magna Guards. Yeah, so I'm going to refrain from doing like the card overview. I'm yeah. just going to jump into kind of what makes them good and what are some drawbacks of them. One is they are incredibly mobile because of their ability to move on your other separatist primary turns yep. they can just move around the board it's a full advance um that's a big deal they have a reposition all three steps up their tree that's really easy to hit yes. because even though they're only rolling six dice their offensive expertise chart is incredible it's insane. it only has crits yep it's you're just you're just going to get steps through Yep. And what those steps are going to do are going to give your Magna Guards more movement and displace the enemy. It's very reminiscent of whenever you see Magna Guards in uh, the films or in the, the animated shows. They're always like spitting and shoving people away. People are always on defense against them and they're seeming to shove forward. Yep. That's what Magna Guards do in this game. They are just pushing people backwards yep. and moving themselves forwards. Yeah, let me, uh, before, before you keep going with this, Sam, I want to say, so... When we played in one of our games, Sam had a Magna Guard and he was on, I think it was probably A2, okay? So that top top row, middle objective. And he, I don't remember who he was going to attack. It was probably, I think it was Rex. And he was looking to see if he could get to C3 where Ahsoka was. And we were, we, I was like, there's no way he can get that far. I, I had forgotten that Sam hadn't yet advanced. But I was like, Sam, like that's, there's no like you literally like that's the board you can't clear the board in an attack sam does his attack he didn't get a ton of damage through but he's able to do two shoves then a reposition and then advance so he goes from a2 to c3 and is able to steal a spot it's just unbelievable combat mobility yeah it's it's incredible they can just fly around the board like on that turn there it really swung that game and uh they're also just have a ton of health yeah. Which is part of why they're great invader, but also like 10 is a lot. And yeah. they have respectable defense yep. that makes it just, they're really hard to one shot. You yep. know, you can do it in a Vader list on a Grievous activation in any other list, but that's about it. And they're just also, they're, they're intercede. They're, they're what, what's the thing where like you can't attack other people when you're engaged with them Yep, is, uh, can be real annoying to, it can be really good for for you as the player with the Magna Guards to keep key people in position. You can, like, if you backstopped a Magna Guard with a primary or a secondary and they must attack the Magna Guard, it can be really hard for people to shove them off a point. Yep. Their, their, their major weakness is that uh, they only roll six dice on offense. Yep. Their weakness is not that they don't have a ranged attack. That, that's not the problem. The problem yeah. is that they only roll six dice. Yeah um that's that, that's it like um and i guess they don't have move extra they do have extra movement on their turn with the reposition so yeah that's really like their only weakness is their dice pool is relatively low yeah yeah and uh i mean you're relying 
ironically, not ironically, but interestingly, you rely kind of on getting those expertises with these Magna Guards in order to push those crits through because they're just so efficient with... with they are that. very susceptible to disarm, especially with the low dice pool. Disarm right, right. really makes their attacks really bad. Great point. That's an excellent point. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it's also interesting that... Um, they're, so they have no active ability. They have a reactive, this protection protocol, which means after an allied separatist primary unit makes a move, this unit can then uh, advance toward the chosen character, which gives you, I mean, this is my thing about the Sept's being a high skill ceiling list in that you can get so much mobility out of these guys if you're paying attention, but you have to really kind of plan for it. It's not just for free because obviously they have to move towards the unit. But man, they can do a lot with Kalani and Kraken and Grievous. I mean, these guys are just motoring around the map. Yeah, one of my most proud moments with this particular defensive protocols, um, I was playing one game in the TTS League, I think, and I moved up my, my Dooku um, so that he was kind of sitting almost directly in front of the Magna Guard who was going to... He, so I dashed a Magna Guard and Dooku, then I advanced my Dooku, yep. so he's almost directly in front, which allows the Magna Guard to move to one point on the center line, and then Dooku was able to force Lightning get his reposition to move the opposite direction to the other point on the, separate, on the center line. Man, that feels so... so yeah, it was like the, the Magna Guards were moving, for all intents and purposes, away from Dooku, because, but it was towards because of how I had positioned it. But they were getting further away from him than where they started. That's so fun. Um, <laughs> yep. Oh, man, that's wild. Yeah, they're they're very strong. Do you have anything else in terms of discussing their strengths or weaknesses? Also, we should say that there are three squad points is just unbelievable, right? Like, if they were four squad points, they'd still be an incredible unit. But that they are three 100%. is just, whew, that's a lot. Yeah, like having being only three squad points is a huge strength because it allows you to take them with Kalani if you have yep. an eight point or just take them with Dooku yep. and you're happy or take them with Vader and you're happy, you know, so. Yeah, it's really interesting because I played that uh, Will's More Machine Than Man list with Grievous and Vader and the Magna Guards there, all I like all I was really doing with them was just kind of pushing them up and really want really all I wanted them to do was take attacks off of Duke or uh, off of Grievous. That's it. And that anything you get beyond that is just gravy, you know, because they are, like you said, they are very difficult to one shot and you kind of have to one shot them in order to not just have your offense kind of stall out. Because like you said, you kind of got to go through them first. And so they are just able to cause a I mean, like they are a strong attrition piece in that they are difficult to remove. They're going to do steady, consistent damage, and they are incredibly mobile. So like the gains that your opponent gets, they're going to be able to nullify with all that incredible mobility. They're just a phenomenal unit, honestly. Yeah, and, you know, speaking of their, like, anything else is gravy, they can pretty consistently wound basically any other support besides Magna Guards. And yes. maybe, like, um, B1s have a relatively high health pool for them. Like that, that nine is hard to get, or like B2s with protection. Yeah. But like any of the clone units, they can pretty easily wound. Yep. Um, the uh, the Mandos, as long as they're not next to bow, they can pretty easily wound. So. Yeah, it's ex exactly right. Like exactly right. And so with that being the case, they are also like them being melee, as Sam said, is it's a feature, not a bug. And here's why. 
where the title of this episode is bringing a gun to a knife fight, which is the inverse of obviously like, you know, bringing a knife to a gunfight. Typically, you want to be bringing a gun to a knife fight. Um, but in Shatterpoint, there is this inversion of that. And the reason why, what we're going to talk about is why is it that melee units seem to be favored with the current format? This is something that we have talked about in a few episodes. And we're kind of just going to make some points and discuss it. Because with this being the case, which we think it is, it's it, if you're going to take ranged units, you should probably have a pretty good reason for doing that and a pretty good game plan. Which I haven't figured out, you know, having played clones a little bit and played Mandos a bunch. Um, it, it feels like melee units is kind of the name of the game. So first off, the reason why I think that melee units are better than ranged units in the current format, meaning with the units that have been released and especially with missions that are currently out, is that they melee units want to contest objective points with their bodies. They want to be on points. And they want to be on points fighting other units in order to push them off of points and in order to take those points, right? So, so what melee units are trying to do is they're trying to get close to the opponent, attack, obviously, and deal damage, wound, et cetera, et cetera, and then push them off of that space while at the same time then taking control of that, right? So you're not just, you're not just able to wound possibly and push people off, but you're able to actively take a point from somebody. That's not something you can do with ranged units. Ranged units can't run up to somebody. They're kind of doing it in reverse if they're able to do it at all, which is shoot, send someone back, then move up onto the point if you're, if you're talking about getting this kind of swing. But obviously that is a very different proposition than I want to be getting up in, into people's faces. I want to be in their faces. I want to be fighting them. You know, I, I want to be making melee attacks. If ranged units are engaged with melee units, they are at an inherent disadvantage because they don't want to be fighting there. They want to be fighting where they can make range attacks. But in order to make a range attack, they're going to have to take a dash away and then they're, so now their their movement's going to be impaired. So melee units, they want to be contesting objectives with their bodies, whereas ranged units want to be able to kind of project, project threat across the board and, you know, be able to take these, you know, wound people from, from safe distances, kind of apply more, uh, your, your, your area of pressure is theoretically supposed to be a larger bubble because you've got range, but it just doesn't quite work out that way. And I think, I think there's, I mean, there's the objective reason, which is, I think, a huge reason. Again, like the the Republic Commandos, they don't want to be charging up into Magna Guards in order to take a spot from them and knock them back. One, they, they don't have a shove, so they can't knock them back, right? And that's also kind of part of the problem. Um, but what they what they want to be able to do is take take is wound people from a distance and then kind of take points opportunistically. But it's just like yeah. the range of cho- the range of choices is fewer, right? Yeah, it's it's a lot harder to set up a really powerful range turn because you have to have a lot of setup for it. You almost have to be like, okay, my guys are in the right spot already. Yeah. Now I can take my shot and wound that key unit. And now I can reposition to where I need to be for the next part. But because of the dynamic pacing of Shatterpoint, nobody stays in one spot for long. Rather moving to a new objective that just came out during a different struggle, or you've been shoved off by somebody three turns ago. Yeah. Um, you know that the there's so much in flux at all yeah. times during the game, and rage units really feel like they need to be set up. Whereas melee units can just be like, okay, what do I need to do? I need to move to that point. Yep. And when you when your squishier ranged focus units do that, they just die. Yeah. And then they're 
then it's like as if they weren't even on that point because yeah. they're wounded. Yeah. I think this this was brought so clear to me in our second game that we played last week, Sam, where I I kind of had to man, I really got to figure out the strategy of this because in order to keep you from scoring effectively four points on your second turn, I had to send up the 212 in order to take some points because they were who came up. I had to send them up in order to um, take some points, put some pressure on you, um, you know, just like kind of like get up into the scrum a little bit. Like you can't play a super passive game unless you're just going to straight up give up on struggle one, right? So I send them up. And I mean, I'm still on my side of the mid midline, but then you just send up Grievous and he just proceeds to start killing everybody. Right. And he is going to get yeah. past that midline. And so, mm-hmm. so, so now my two twelve isn't controlling any objectives. I've given you a point, um, you know, when you wound them and then it's like, well, now I got to send up my Republic commandos in order to hold points. So they go up and then you pull your shatter point. Grievous is like, okay, now I'm going to wound these guys. Right. And so I'm, it's, yeah. I'm, you're sending the, the, if I have Magna Guards, I can send up Magna Guards who want to be close, who want to be attacking you, who it's like, I can take some hits from Grievous. You're, I mean, you can't probably, but I mean, at the very least, like you're where you want to be. Whereas with my 212, it's like, this is the worst place for me to be is right next to Grievous, right? Like that's the worst place for them to be. Yeah, it's such an interesting, like it, the current mission objective, especially Struggle 1, rewards people getting right up next to each other you're fighting in this scrum you're only gonna have one point in the back yep so you only want one model back there yep and with these two with these two model supports it's kind of tricky to want to have one of them stay back yep um you you this is it's different for some of the character other like hybrid characters like gar who the more i've played with is like he really does excel at range, but he has some good melee tech too. As long yeah. as he has a friend with him there, yep. You know he can still roll some dice and uh, and get his his shoves and his damage through. Yeah. But um, it really the current objectives kind of punish you for having more than one ranged piece in your list. Yeah, I can see that. It's not just that melee units want to uh, contest objective points with their bodies and they want to be on points and that range units want to keep space um between them right like range units where the 212 and the uh republic commandos want to be is as far away from grievous as they possibly can be while still being able to control objectives and just the the current objective spread doesn't allow for that grievous can go sit in the middle of the board and and the objectives that are active, he's able to project threat onto. And so there's just not really a good place for them to be. And like Sam said, you really only want one anyway, right? Like, unless you've got these hybrid units, like Gar is actually a great example because he is hitting equally hard from ranged and close range. Um, So unless you've got these hybrid units, your units that don't want to do melee attacks are already like costing you something. But another problem is I think there's a pretty serious power level discrepancy between ranged and melee units, at least across the factions. And what I mean is that the Republic does not have, like the the 501st is not comparable to the Magna Guards and is also not comparable to to the B1s, right? So, and I think personally that B1s are not really, I mean, B1s are totally fine compared to Magna Guards. I mean, if that's the power level, that's kind of acceptable. But Magna Guards are just really strong. And the melee units, like, think about, think about 
high damage range pieces. I, they they are not they're just not out there right gar is gar can roll a lot of dice but i think he maxes out at seven or eight damage there's just not pieces that are able to do like the the strong range units ironically are units like vader and you know maul who are throwing their lightsabers from across the board and they can do some pretty heavy damage but there's just not like there's not a sniper unit that is able to project you know rolling seven, eight dice and spiking for eight, nine damage at range five. There's just nothing like that, right? Sam, am I wrong on that? I mean, I think Cody is supposed to be that, but he uh, he has his own problems of he he requires so much setup Yes. in order to get into position to have his big blow up attack that it, that he can't really, you know, can't really get it off. Yeah. Um, there and then I think the idea behind ARF troopers is to allow your units to become that because they're yeah. applying expose. Yes. They aren't going to be doing that themselves when I've heard from other people who have played with them on TTS. I haven't touched them yet, that they're great. Yeah. I expect them to really help with this this meta when they come out based on that. But yeah. um the, there's really not a piece a lot of your ranged attacks are very much about getting extra movement for yourself. Or shoving people off, or applying conditions, um, but they're they're usually lower dice. Yeah, it's it's interesting though to bring up the B ones who are hundred percent a ranged unit. Yeah, but have the stamina to chill on the middle line. Yeah, and I think that's part of the problem is a lot of these ranged units have lower stamina values. Yeah, so you know they they can't play up at the center. Because yeah. they'll just get, they'll just get removed. Yeah, I think it's also one thing that's really interesting is that speaking of like units in terms of their stamina, it's really interesting to think about how that B ones have nine health and protection and stead. Uh, do they have steadfast when they're contesting an objective, or is it just protection? Just, just, just protection. Okay, so they have protection when they're contesting an objective and nine health. B twos mm-hmm. have have eight health, but they have steadfast. No, 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 they don't have steadfast. They have protection, just innate protection, right? Yep. And so those units, they have got kind of, they have got the stamina to at least take a shot. Whereas the soups, so soups have eight health. Clan Kreese has seven health. All of the clones have seven health, except for the commandos who have six plus protection. And I guess, and I know what the idea is. What AMG was thinking is that, well, the soups, I'm sorry, the commandos, the Republic, these guys are all going to have hunker tokens. And so that kind of gives them an innate plus one health is, I guess, kind of the math on that. So, you know, these guys are all eight health, but that is not really how the math works out, right? Like, especially, especially if the B2s and the B1s have protection already, they're already having more health and, and, you know, I I guess their dice are weaker, but it's not like the Republic, the Republic's defense suite is just not there. So I feel like they're just calibrated under where they should be. Mandos is interesting in that if they're in the bow bubble, they have protection and steadfast if they're contesting objectives, which is awesome. I mean, then, then you know, these soups are, they're kind of like B2s um, in terms of their health spread. But still, I mean, that's not going to stand against Grievous, right? And so you really, no. if, if you're going to be, and it's not like Grievous should not be the, the, should not be the standard. But if we're talking about the ability to win these scrums, the way you do that is, I mean, it's just kind of a matter of math. What's your health? What's your attack? What's your defense? And there's just no ranged units that really 
be, I'm well, there are no Republic range units that really have got what it takes in order to take those scrums. B1s and B2s can do great. Like I've seen you, you use them pretty aggressively in order to put pressure up on the board. And the Republic just doesn't have that. And I feel like the Republic are kind of like, those are like the real range units. These guys, you know, they want to stand on the back line and apply pressure. They just can't do it. Yeah. And I think you look at the Inquisitor supports as well as examples of like um, melee supports that can't, um, that can kind of, the difference between the stamina value on the two of them, I think is the biggest thing of why a lot of people say Fifth Brother is so much better. Is because he has that extra stamina and protection. Yeah. When he's contesting, whereas uh, Seventh Sister does not. Yeah. Um, but they're both melee units that both have good displacement tools. That um, you know, they both have like a jump and stuff. But the extra stamina really matters in a game that's about standing next to your opponent who's controlling points. The thing is, if you're playing a Here's the other reason why I think range units have a disadvantage is because you can say, hey, you can position your range units so that they're contesting a point but not engage with a melee unit. But the play person playing a melee unit always has the option to just put that unit dead center on the point. Yep. And then you're always going to be in melee range. That's a great and point. The person playing a unit that's primarily a ranged unit, like the clones here, um, cannot do that they 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 cannot position in such a way that they always have a ranged attack and be contesting the same objective man sam that is actually i think that is kind of a killer point when you really think about it because when you're positioning your your range troopers what you're trying to do is put yourself you obviously want to be within range two of the objectives that you're contesting but you want to create as much space as you can between you know the melee interlocutors that are going to, that are going to be coming up to knock you around so you have to like position yourself even further away you know from the point whereas a melee unit it's like you said can literally just sit right on top of that thing and that's like okay now in order to get this you're going to have to knock me off that's a really good point sam yeah then then you have to you know they not then you're like well you think oh if they have high health i can just shove them off but if they're just sitting on the middle of the point now you have to shove them twice yeah and you know that's that's just always more difficult like yeah, some it, characters like Obi-Wan will always shove twice, yeah. essentially. Yep. Um, but not not everyone. It's just a harder task to do. Yeah. It's and it's also the case that range units, very few range units, I think, are consistently getting their two shoves. Magna guards are gonna very consistently get two shoves because that's their first two steps up the tree. But I mean, the soups are have one shove at the end of their tree. Now, if they get expertises, they they can get some more. Um, but like the soups are going to sh struggle clan crees they have they've got the push power they they for sure do i've i've been more and more impressed when i play against the clan crees because of their their shove ability but yeah. i think the clan crees benefit from being the one ranged unit in a list that can play all other melee units yeah that's a great point that's a very good you point. know that that the clan that you know Bo and Gar and the Soups and whatever primaries you take can just play melee and you have one ranged unit that can hold your far away points and shove people off. Great point. And it seems better for that for the clones. Um, and I think it's you know perhaps when Talzin comes out, um, 
and we have this primarily ranged primary, we'll have some different play with that. But I still think in most of those lists that Talzin's looking at, she's uh, predominantly, you're going to have a lot of predominantly melee units surrounding her. Yeah, I think that's right. I, I do think that's the case. I mean, Savage, right, is going to be, um, I mean, it's not that that's going to be who she runs with, but Savage comes in the box and is obviously going to be a pretty, you know, strong melee piece. So, yeah, it's interesting because like what the problem with I have found with clan crees is that they are only range four and that really can kind of hurt in terms of their threat projection. It's just not the case that clan crees that extra range, man, that can really make a difference. And so I, I, I mean, I, I love the Mandos. I think it's a super fun, super solid list. I think it's a better list than the Republic. Um, I think the Mandos, their, their struggle is that they don't have. Um, primaries that do for them what obi-wan does for the republic but i feel like they're like a better yeah. faction you know what i mean um and so yeah. anyway you're 100 percent right that those two inches do matter especially because of the objectives are always range five away from each other yeah okay so maybe it's the case that in a melee heavy meta clan crease is probably better because they don't have to worry about doing these long range duels with you know range five units right but that they just need to get within range four of melee units and which is i mean it just decreases the pressure but that also means they've, they're getting closer to units that are trying to pound them right so i don't know there's yeah. like an interesting tension there the the uh, one interesting range unit to look at that i think has a lot of the weaknesses of ranged units but still performs well is kalani so yeah. like Kalani's kalani awesome. cannot scrum on the midline no he will melt immediately yep um but he he comes in a list that has so much melee pressure yep that like you can just leave him back and um you know people are gonna like well i can like send someone to hunt down kalani but then I'm not playing to all this pressure that's up front, you yeah. know, that's that's going on. You can have your Asajj push him to no man's land, which is a good play. Like yeah. getting Kalani so he's not getting his tactics off and so he's, you know, pinned or whatever and sitting in the middle of nowhere is great. Yep. Um, but he has the benefit of being able to be taken with a bunch of melee figures. Yeah, Again, exactly. Which, you know, and that's what I really feel like you want to be doing is like you... Can, you can't really have too many figures that want to hang on the back line in this game. It's just not going to win you a lot of struggles. Yeah, and so and Kaladi is such a perfect example of like the unit that's able to do that because he has to be within range four of the people that he's wanting to hit, which is you can which you can control. So he wants to naturally be on the back line, but he can come up just enough in order to give his units this incredible bonus. Kaladi is a like a great back line piece, right? Because you don't want him in the front, yep. but he can. But he can also, I mean, Kaladi can hit like a truck. I mean, he, yeah, he can, he can hit so hard. And so, you know, when he comes up to kind of drop the hammer, in addition to having all this melee pressure, he is coming up to give, give a really good attack by him, by his own. And so he is a great, great, great backline piece. Yeah. He, you know, maybe he is that sniping damage deal, dealing unit more than Cody because more yeah. than any other piece I've seen because he gets three successes for two expertise. Kalani's dice are just so consistent and yeah. prone to spiking because of that. You know, if you roll the yeah, two expertise totally roll, you can really spike someone. Yeah, absolutely. It's also interesting because, like, comparing him to Cody is a, a good comparison because 
I mean, one is Kalani is one more point, but Cody is so much better. I'm sorry, Kalani is so much better than Cody in terms of what he's bringing to your list, in terms of the setup that it, because Kalani also requires setup. You got to be within range four, but it is so much easier to do that and to control that than what you've got with with Cody. Because Cody's the idea of Cody is, is he's going to start. And if there's someone in range five of him, he's going to give them an expose. And then he's going to, you know, do this awesome sharpshooter action on them. That's awesome. Like that's some really cool stuff. The problem with it is though, is that you've got to have an opponent who's within range five at the start of his activation. That's not on top of Cody killing him. Right. And like, it's very tough for Cody to project the kind of threat before your opponent just instantly collapses on him. And then he's just not, he's not able to do anything. Right. Cause he can't, he doesn't want to move because he no. really wants to focus and take those like sharpshooter yep. shots. And so it's just kind of a, kind of a hard mess. Yeah, Cody can kind of struggle to get that, to get his wombo combo that his card is telling you he wants to do off. Yeah. Um, as opposed to like a piece like Kalani, who always can get his wombo combo off. Because yeah. um, you realize Kalani just needs to be in range four to move people, but his yeah. extra dice thing is universal, whereas Cody's rerolls are not universal. Um, even comparing like Kraken, uh, four point relatively ranged unit. Kraken has a, he's better at scrumming in the midline because he gets protection and steadfast when he's contesting, and has better defense dice than Kalani. But um, he is also able to be him having that protection and steadfast means that even though he reads like a ranged piece, he can go and apply pressure to these melee scrums, and you can be confident that he's not going to get one shot. Yeah, because that's a lot. Yeah, he's got protection when he's con- and steadfast when he's contesting objectives. He's a very strong piece. Ten stamina, so like yeah, very difficult. I mean, I have found like as I've been kind of list building over the past few days, I think that I mean the answer is just you need Vader and the ability to just pump up your me- pump up the consistency of your melee attack attacks and then just jump on these guys right like you've got to be able to project your own kind of force and so really then it just becomes mm-hmm. kind of you know fist fights which is fine um because obviously like the game will develop past the point that it's currently at but like i just don't really think there is a another way for range. i don't think there is an answer right now for range units i do think that arf troopers are going to be awesome and they could solve yeah. all of these problems they that that is going to be strong it's also interesting because arf troopers so their their ability to hand out the expose you think, oh, this is like kind of like a C- Cody's ability, but really, what it's also doing is, I mean, that's going to be awesome for your melee figures, right? You yep. know, you're, you've got mm-hmm. Anakin who's going to be pounding on people that the Arf Troopers have exposed, and oh boy, that gets real scary real fast. Yeah, it makes it so your Anakin's less likely to whiff. Yeah, because um, sometimes exactly. whiffing means your your opponent rolls real hot, right? Yeah. So. Yeah, exactly. He, there's just going to make them so much more consistent, make the melee figures better at what they're trying to do. Yeah. Um, that It's just a real interesting tension in that regard of like, when a good range unit comes out, it just it just makes those melee units better, you know? Yeah, yeah. And I, maybe um, my hope is that the Padme box really like gives us some really good range duels. Oh, because yeah. I don't see anybody in that box being good at, you know, fisticuffs. <laughs> so maybe, maybe Padme is just going to be a melee monster. Just knock Vader and Grievous off. Uh, you were talking about how the game is going to be evolving. And I think kind of 
sometimes in these other games you think well the like imperial assault the counter to some of these strong melee pieces is to shoot them before you can get to them yeah and before they can get to you i mean and that just doesn't happen in this game because range pieces the gap gets closed so quickly and range pieces don't have enough firepower to put them down yeah and a lot of the counters to these vader things are stuff like dooku and ahsoka like you can put them together and then that vader list gets sad yeah. And uh, every time they murder someone, you get to move a bunch of people and get a bunch of force, and it's really hard to kill your primaries. And that's a great point, Sam. Like that's a that's actually kind of my jam in terms of if we're talking about like styles, like Dooku Ahsoka and the ability to just totally blunt the offensive power of this. You know, who's also an incredible piece, even though he's incredible in these lists is Obi Two. You know, they yep. they bring up these guys and they're like, hey, here here's ten dice. You're like, well, I'm going to spend two force, pick someone else, <laughs> right? And yep. so, you know, just like some really, some really strong kind of counterplay is going to be happening there. Well, and OB2 is especially good against melee because a melee figure comes up to smack OB2 and he's pays two force and you're like, you can't hit anybody else because yeah. I'm the only one in melee with you. And OB2 is an incredible control piece. And I don't know if the proper play for him is to be in a bubble and force your opponent to make uh worse target priority or if it's just to be alone and be invincible i'm not sure which of those is the case but he's just an incredible unit especially against melee i mean i think his proper play is to i think shatterpoint is such a dynamic game that what's incredible about him is that he can do both yeah that when you need him (laughs) to just hold a point by himself he will do that and when you need him to keep someone alive he will do that and you know, it's uh, I think that's part of what makes him incredible is that he is so flexible and powerful at what he does. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. What a great piece. So, Sam, what do you think that people, players wanting to play ranged units can do in order to minimize the discrepancy between what they are bringing to the table and melee players? Do you think it's just a matter of, you know, you got to be a little more selective on the range units that you bring and really have a strong melee component like what do you i mean is there a is there a play style that you think um they should be adopting what do you think about that yeah so i think the kind of place for these ranged units is i think you do have to be a little more more selective you have to be like okay i if i'm going to just have a bunch of ranged units um you have to accept that you're going to get wounded more frequently because you have to put people at the center you can't be afraid to do that, and you are going to have to accept the people will get wounded, and you'll have to make plans around that. Yeah. Maybe that means that you're going to have to plan on, hey, these guys will probably get removed during the game. I need to play in such a way that I'm trying to win struggles one and two. Yeah, good point. And that I'm planning on shatterpointing one of these units who I know is going to be wounded because I know I'm going to need their presence again somewhere on the table. Hmm. So maybe you take primaries that are less Shatterpoint hungry. You take Ahsokas and such and know like, okay, my guys are going to get wounded. I need to control points. I need to do this quickly. Um, So you're kind of planning on getting them back into the fight. I think that the other, I think the other thing what you can do is what we talked about is really just try and decide, okay, like, hey, I like my, galactic republic lists i want to play them as thematically as i can but i'm going to try and take melee um secondaries and um my 
supports are going to be um, maybe maybe I have to splash one other something else in there so that I don't have two ranged backline units that are just four models that can't contest the center line. That's an interesting because four models is, is half your team. So maybe you're just like, you know what? I'm taking my Obi Wan, my Ahsoka, my Luke, my Rex, who's fine in melee because he has health to do that. I mean, not Luke, my Anakin, my Rex. I have my 501st, but my last thing is Fifth Brother. Yeah. You know, because Fifth Brother is a melee guy that can hold the line. And sure, he doesn't get Obi-Wan's benefits, but he's just a pain to deal with anyways. Yeah, it's a great point. Um, so I think that considering some of that, or saying like, okay, I take, uh, I'll take, i take the 212th with Obi-Wan and Magna Guards with, uh, with Anakin. You know, something like that, where you're trying to balance these lists where you only have one backline dedicated backline unit yeah so it's also interesting to think i mean if i as we're talking about this i think maybe if you're wanting to be a republic player you take obi lumi barris ahsoka the commandos and um, the 212 and then you use the commandos as kind of a flanking midline piece your jedi are all up in the scrum and then, you know, you've got the 212 on the back line. I mean, that the problem with that is it doesn't sound like a very durable list. Like, you don't have really enough hit points. But every, you've got a lot of people who can be on the on the front line. The other problem is that's a super force-hungry list. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, like, you now you've got an economy problem. That actually leads me to what I want to be kind of our point shatter point before we close this out, Sam. Here's a question. Yeah. Do you think that if defensive maneuver for the Republic... Uh, for the troopers cost zero force. Do you think that would be enough to close the uh, disparity gap between the SEPs and the Republic? Yeah, I think if they uh, cost zero force, that that would be, I think that would be m- more more than enough. I think that, um, you know, especially if it was on their turn, like it's just zero force, here's a dash, here's a hunker, like that's incredibly powerful. Isn't, like, isn't, that, isn't that awesome? Wouldn't that be so good? I mean, yeah, I th- I, th- I think if it was zero force, which and what you actually do is you make it trigger on somebody else's turn. Yeah. So like you know like like the Magna Guards type of thing. Yeah. Like, hey, when a Galactic Primary moves, they're gonna they're gonna come and hunker behind their general. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I. I think I think that's enough. Like I think we've seen that the Magna Guard's ability is just more powerful than having to spend a force on that thing. Yeah. And I think having it on their turn is probably too much, which is why the Magna Guards isn't on their turn. Yeah. But having a free out of action movement and yeah. hunker, right? Like that's And idea. hunker. Yeah. Like a dash and a hunker instead of a full advance. Yeah. It's about the same it's a you know, roughly equivalent. Yeah, and the thing I was the other thing I was thinking about is one is I I am not convinced that like it would be enough to close the disparity gap. I mean, I think it'd be I mean, a dash hunker for free is awesome, you know, but their offense is still like super meh and they're still yeah. not like that durable, but like it's awesome. The other thing I I was thinking about and I feel like this was kind of a miss on AMG's part is that I don't think that um coordinated fire should be I think that that should be a uh, like immune to yeah innate that's the better way to say it it should be innate because once they're wounded and they are so easily wounded you almost never want to spend that force point on that for that condition with very few exceptions 
And that yeah. it's just like it feels like it just kind of like takes out part of their kit, right? And like Magna Guards, they've got um one reactive and then two innates. And that just feels a lot stronger than in terms of like the wounds obviously hurt the Magna Guards, but way less than what happens when you start wounding those clone troopers. Yeah, like well the, the, that's the thing about um you know even like our troopers who we assume will be fantastic like once you got to start paying force for that expose yeah that's rough and yeah. their defense is meh yeah. like they they get an extra expertise which is cool and all yeah. but you know they the uh paying force for coordinated fire is real rough the the b1s have kind of the free version of that and it's a lot harder to trigger because you need both units to be within range four when another battle droid is attacking yeah um and i kind of see where like amg was like well these two you know like here's like here's the soup the clones have the better version of this um i'm not i'm still not sure that it needed to be um a reactive ability like yeah. also a thing about being a nate or yeah i think there's a couple of things with coordinated fire that could be changed like maybe their timing windows can be different for different ones like maybe your um that's a cool idea you could so like the the damage one could be like applied at the end of the attack maybe yeah. you know which is much much more powerful than damage at the beginning whereas expose is much more powerful at the beginning yep totally. so like you could change kind of like, you know, like expose is so good at the beginning and damages are fine at the beginning. Like yeah. it's good. I'm going to take it every time. Yeah. But, um, you know, like you could kind of change, maybe if they had the option of like, you can choose at the beginning or end of the attack to put this condition in. Yeah. So, yeah, that's a good, that is a, that's cool. I, that would be a very cool idea. I don't know. It feels like that they just need a lot. I mean, ARF Troopers aside, I, I'm very excited to play them once they come out, but it just feels like they need a lot. But anyway, it's just some musings that I was having. All right, Sam. Well, I feel like I'm really interested to see how the meta shapes shapes up over the next month as uh, Mason Talzin get released. And, you know, just as we get a little more, a little more um, units into the fray, it'll be really interesting to see if our observations kind of hold, hold up, especially as we start having more organized tournaments and gameplay to see kind of like how the meta is actually shaking out. Is it just Vader everywhere or, you know, just variations of Vader or counters to Vader, um, which I think, you know, this Ahsoka Dooku list, Dooku really kind of, I think can anchor a lot of anti-Vader synergy because you can just force you to expend so much in order to get these attacks, but we'll see how it works out. But do you have any more thoughts before we close? No, I'm excited to see how stuff goes. Like we've seen a lot of the local Utah events, like Separatists have done real well, and you know all the TTS stuff. Vader's done real well. I'm excited to see how the meta responds. Yeah, because I think that Shatterpoint is a dynamic enough game, and with the pace of new releases, that we're going to be able to respond with, you know, in meaningful ways to how people are are doing things and maybe stuff like the grand inquisitor becomes better against all these melees when like they don't leave a person on the back line and he can snipe their objective off it for his um uncovered secrets or whatever credibility so like i think that there's some tech out there that can come up that uh that this game has a lot of room to explore and to grow and uh that there'll be new lists that come and break things wide open in the future so yeah It'll be awesome. 
Awesome. All right. Well, we want to thank everyone for listening. Make sure to rate and review the podcast. Join the Slack. We love you all. Have an excellent day.